What up, peoples? John Morris, johnmorrisonline.com, back with another new series, Freelancing Myths. And I want to start this one because I see a lot of nonsense about freelancing that gets passed around as fact on the old interwebs. And having done this for nearly two decades, I wanted to slap some of that down because I do genuinely believe that it kind of Fs people up and it makes all of this, this whole freelancing thing, a lot harder than it really needs to be. Now, with this series, I'm going to be following a strict format, and that format looks like this. Number one, we're going to talk about the claim, so what the actual claim that people are making is. Then we're going to talk about some reasons why it's probably wrong. Then we'll get into some reasons why it might be right, because most myths do tend to have elements of truth to them, so we'll talk about that. And then finally, because we want to actually learn something from this, we're going to wrap up with what to do instead so that we can all be better freelancers instead of just owning people as fun as that may be. So up first is the myth that freelancing just is feast or famine. That's just the way it is and that there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, that is a myth. So let's get into it. All right. So here's our agenda. As I mentioned, what people claim, why it's wrong, a little bit about why it might be right, and then what to do instead. So let's jump into the claim. So the claim essentially is that freelancing is characterized by periods of high growth and incoming revenue, often followed by periods of severe, severe downturn and dramatic losses of revenue. And you probably have heard this usually said in, in the phrase that freelancing is a feast or famine type business. Now, I want to be clear on this. We're not talking about little fluctuations up and downs. When people say it's feast or famine, that's typically not what they mean. The little fluctuations, that is sort of natural because you might have you know, a couple more hours this month or a couple less hours the next month. Those things are pretty natural. But when we say feast or famine, we're talking about dramatic changes in monthly revenue. And that is a myth. Now, there's sort of a corollary claim to this. It's is that those ups and downs is just a function of how freelancing is. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Um, it's just the way it is. It's a fact of freelance life and there, there's no way around it. So that's essentially the claim that people are making. And yes, that absolutely is a myth. So why is this wrong? Well, anecdotally, I can tell you that I know lots of freelancers who never experienced this. Their businesses tend to either grow year over year with no real dramatic dips in revenue, or at the very least, they remain stable. So they might be just in it the exception to the rule, but there's enough of them that it starts to make you question the rule in and of itself. I also, in my own experience, have experienced very little of this. So in nearly 20 years, yeah, I've had a few dips, but most of those were of my own doing. They were from me firing clients uh, because I got tired of working with a particular client or they were being unreasonable about this or that. So they were really my own doing, not this natural function of just how freelancing is. And they were never this dramatic feast or famine cycle that that people describe. Now, I've never really had just these dramatic ups and downs uh, that people tend to allude to with this. So what's really going on here? Well, in my experience, it's usually two things. One, the person that's making this claim doesn't have any clients on retainer. Now, if I say clients on retainer and you immediately go either what's that or, oh, that'll never happen. Like it seems like this pipe dream to you or you're not even sure what that means. 
then that is a very clear sign. If you're experiencing feast and famine, that's a, that's a huge indicator, a huge red flag that this is where the problem is. Clients on retainer are a primary way that you stop sort of the feast famine cycle. And you absolutely can get clients on retainer. I have, I've had one client on retainer for over 10 years now. So uh, clients on retainer uh, is, a, is missing is one, one of the things that's usually going on or too heavy of a reliance on one or two methods of getting clients. So they're, they are focused on, let's say, Upwork, and that's where they get most of their clients. Or they're doing a lot of in-person networking, and that's where they're getting most of their clients. Or they're doing you know, a lot of social media, and that's where they're getting most of their clients. And because they're getting a lot of clients from those particular methods, they tend to just kind of go all in and focus on those methods, which makes sense. But if you really want a long-term sustainable business that doesn't have the ups and downs, you don't want to be over-reliant on one point of failure. Because if that one thing goes away or you have a dip in that one one method of getting clients, now you are going to experience that feast or famine. And so you really have to be disciplined about creating more methods of getting clients, even ones that maybe at first you're not as good at, you're not getting as many clients, still taking the time to build those out so that you sort of future-proof and you famine-proof your freelance business. Okay, so that's a little bit about why this is all wrong. Let's talk a little bit about why it's right. So as I mentioned, there are natural dips and peaks month to month just based on minor fluctuations in workload. But that's usually, those fluctuations are usually less than 10% of your revenue. If it's more than that, then that's when you're starting to get into a more significant dip. But anything less than 10%, uh, that's really just sort of natural fluctu fluctuations that, uh, again, don't, don't, I don't really count in the feast famine uh, idea. And I don't think most people, that's what they mean when they see, say feast famine. Almost always, uh, on top of that, a dip one month, again, less than 10%, is followed by a peak the next month. Almost 100% of the time in my experience when I have a dip one month, I almost always have a peak the next month. And that uh, a lot of it is just human nature. I'm I'm working to, to, to raise. I don't want it to keep dipping. So I put in some extra work or I maybe think and do something different or whatever. Almost always, though, a dip one month is followed by a peak the next. So is that really feast or famine? I don't really see it that way. Lots of freelancers also absolutely do experience feast famine cycles when freelancing. So I don't want to minimize their experience. People do experience feast famine cycles. But the, the idea that it's just a natural part and every freelancer experiences it, that's what I'm, uh, I have issue with. So again, it's not just how it is. Really, there's some things that are happening there that are causing it. So it's failing to do the things necessary to avoid the ups and downs that's going on here. Now, I will say that despite everything you do, now and again, something will happen that affects your bottom line. Okay, the, the, there are every, every few years, there can be huge technological changes that disrupt the market that you're in and a lot of markets the way technologies how ubiquitous it is and everything a lot of markets are disrupted in some way at least every couple years if not more so sometimes there are things that happen that affect your bottom line but again i don't really view that as 
the idea when people say a feast famine cycle where it's this constant thing that's happening you know in my close to 20 years that uh, of doing this it's maybe been a couple times that this has happened and I've had to adjust so ultimately though we'll talk about how to handle it all right so that's again a little bit why the, there's some truth to what people are saying when they they say there's a, a feast famine cycle or freelancing is a feast famine uh, sort of business now let's talk about what to do instead how to actually keep this uh, from happening or how to deal with this so the standard advice that you're going to find out there is, is perfectly fine, right? People say save your money. They'll say if it's a down period, contact past or existing clients to see if they need more work. Uh, upgrade your processes during famine since you have that extra time. You're not doing client work. You know, start working on your marketing or your your delivery or whatever it is. Upgrade your processes during famine, and 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 a bunch of other things. And all of those things are fine. Those are perfectly acceptable. But they don't really prevent the feast famine cycle, right? So we want to actually talk about things to prevent them. And so when we get to the real stuff, we're talking about CM, CAM, and IN. So we're going to talk about what those three things are. So the first one is your client mix. I alluded to this earlier. You want to have a good mix of larger clients on retainer and then smaller one-off projects. The way to think about it is... The larger clients on retainer is kind of your income floor because they're paying you month after month after month after month. And then the smaller one-off projects are more sort of your ceiling to where that's more income you can make on top of the clients you have on retainer. So you need and want a good mix of both because if a large client gives you the boot, you can then fill that in with smaller projects until you replace them with another client on retainer. Or if the small projects dry up, you've still at least got the bigger clients on retainer and you're not panicking because you just lost this huge chunk of income. Your floor is high enough to make sure that you pay, can pay all your bills and do all the things that you need to do. And the smaller projects are sort of just gravy. So again, you want a good mix of this. Another reason why is you learn how to market for and deliver on both, which ultimately just makes you a better freelancer. Being able to do both uh, just makes you more well-rounded and more famine-proof. And then on top of that, small projects for a client during bad times can then lead to big projects with that same client in good times. A lot of times, the reason why a client might say, hey, I need to cut back or I need to let you go or whatever is because they are experiencing hard times financially. So if you can find clients that you do small projects for when you're in the middle of a recession or a pandemic or whatever it is, then if you do a good job, when things pick back up and those clients are now looking to engage in bigger projects, you can be the person that they look to because you've helped them with all the smaller stuff in the meantime. So all around having a good client mix just helps you build a more well-rounded business. All right, so that's the CM, the client mix. Now we want to talk about the client acquisition mix. So this is how many different ways you're getting clients. If you're getting, if you're only getting clients via one or two main ways, that's not good. More methods equals more stability if one or two of those methods dries up. That is, what I'm saying is don't rely solely on Upwork or networking or content marketing or social media, okay? You want to use them all. And as I said, be disciplined. Even if you're getting a bunch of clients from Upwork, that's fine. Keep using Upwork, keep building on Upwork, 
but also understand that you want to start building out you know, your social media following and start getting clients that way or start doing some content marketing or start doing some in-person networking, doing all of those. And let's say you get four clients a month from Upwork. Great. And maybe you only get one from content marketing, one from social media, uh, and one from in-person networking, but that almost matches what you get from Upwork. So now you've almost essentially doubled uh, the amount of clients that you have coming in. And if something happens with Upwork, you still have this base over here where you're not getting, you're not going to zero clients. You're still at least getting three. And now you can ramp some of those up, potentially focus more on those and, and start getting more clients from those methods. So it's about being disciplined and understanding that you are an engineer building a stable, well-rounded business that can survive the famine cycle so that you don't get uh, caught up in those and, and sort of lose your, lose your business in, in the midst of all that. Now, I'll give you my shameless plug here. I made a whole course around this idea of, of client acquisition mix called Freelance Feast. In it, I teach you seven wholly different ways to get clients. So it's not the typical stuff where you see, you know, they'll tell you 50 different ways to get clients and one of them is Upwork, one of them is Fiverr, one of them. Those for me would all be couched under those are freelance sites. So that's one method of getting clients. Content marketing is another. Social media is another. Okay, so I show you seven wholly and completely different ways uh, to get clients, two of which I've never seen anyone else talk about. Uh, there's, I haven't seen a YouTube video. I haven't seen a blog post. I haven't, and actually are two of my most uh, effective ways of getting clients where a lot of my clients have come from, especially the bigger name clients. So uh, it, it, it's essentially a roadmap for building out your client acquisition mix. If that interests you, you can learn more about it at myjohn.us slash feast. I'll drop a link in the description as well. Okay, the last method then here is a little counterintuitive and you're like, okay, but it's investing. Now, let me explain what I mean by this. Imagine if you could take all the money that you earn in a month or a year or whatever it is, and you could add an extra 10% on to every dollar of that. Why would you not do that? Well, that's essentially what investing is. If you invest in stable mutual funds, yeah, they fluctuate month to month, year to year, but over the long haul, you're going to average roughly around 10 to 12% or 8 to 12%, whatever it is, you're going to have a sort of steady average that's just going to have your money make more money. And that ultimately uh, builds your floor with those annual returns. And that's what you're after. So to give an example, let's say you invested 120,000, you got a 10% return, that would be $12,000 a year or an extra $1,000 a month. Now, is that the most money in the world? No, but that extra $1,000 a month, if everything else goes to hell in a handbasket, that, that's still going to provide you with something that really is sort of untouchable in the sense that it's not at the whim of whatever market you're in or whatever. Yes, the, the economy can go up and down for sure. Um, but it over the long haul, it's just going to kind of give you this steady uh, return. And usually if there's a down year, it, the, the, the mutual funds rebound hard the next year and you make it all up. So again, it's just a way to, to maximize the amount of money that you're making and increase that floor and then focus on building it to 2K, 3K, 4K, and so on, eventually to a point where maybe you don't even have to freelance, which is ultimately sort of the dream or the goal of all of this. Now, you don't have to, if you think 120,000 just to get started, that's a ton. Well, you don't have to do that right away. 
You just want to grow into it. And ultimately, the point is too many people focus on the ceiling. They're focused on how much they can make instead of focusing on the floor to make sure they're covered no matter what happens. And so you want to develop a mindset of constantly growing your floor. Um, In my opinion, that's where real financial independence comes from is that your floor is so high and so stable that you really don't have to worry uh, about much of anything. Even if there is a big dramatic shift on the top end of your income, your floor is nice and stable uh, and and you're going to be able to pay your bills, you're going to be able to eat, still do the things that you want to do because you've focused on growing that floor. Okay. And, and again, as a freelancer, these are things that the, that you really need to think about um, that are going to help make your freelancing a lot easier. So there you go. That'll do it. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time.